I want to talk to us this morning about pressure and being in a pressure test or a pressure cooker that creates life. And, um, you know, that's what I heard. I heard. I heard through the different words given that God wants to birth life. And this life he wants to birth is a reality that's already in us, but he wants to birth it more in us so we can live as he's always destined us to live as overcomers. Not overcome by the flesh, not overcome by the world, not overcome by the enemy, but that we have been called and chosen to be overcomers. It's awesome, isn't it? That you were hand-selected from a number of people on the planet to be an overcomer. And so God puts us and allows us to go through these things called pressure tests to perform a work. Not to crush us, but to bring us into life. And so we're going to have a look at a clip of three chefs that are going to talk about pressure cookers and why they use pressure cookers. Because I don't know about you, but being in Christ is like a pressure cooker at times. Anyone going through a pressure cooker in a pressure cooker right now? It's a great place to be. Because in pressure cookers, listen to what they say, flavors come. There's a work that's done in meat. There's a work that's produced in the food that creates incredible taste. Doesn't God say, taste and see that I'm good? So he puts us through pressure, pressure tests so we can taste of him because he's calling us to live a life that's beyond this life. You were chosen to live a life beyond this life where Jesus said life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. He says, I've got a life in me that's greater than your humanity. And I've come down in the form of humanity to relate to you guys. Because if I came down in my glorified state, you'd all freak out and you'd all run away. So I had to come down in the form of you guys so you'd relate to me. So you could see what's fully possible for I believe in all things. I believe that I can live a life here on earth that's so eternal it trumps my humanity. Because I'm not trying to live out of my humanity, I'm living from the power of heaven. For Jesus said, I come to baptize you in my power and my fire that you can live a life that overcomes the earth, your humanity. And he became the demonstration for us. So if you can roll this clip and have a listen to the words where these guys are talking about and the girl about being in a pressure cooker. The first time I ever used a pressure cooker when I was probably like two or three years old, and we had one at home, and uh, my dad would cook artichokes in them, and I was always really amazed this thing that went on a stove and you turned on the flame and it started hissing and spouting and the little knobs started twisting around and it was kind of like something out of Willy Wonka, you know, everything's like going crazy and I'm sitting there as a little kid going like, wow, what's going on there? And you take the lid off and there were these like perfectly cooked, really delicious artichokes. It just, you know, it was the 70s, dipping in mayonnaise and life is good. I love my pressure cooker. We actually have two pressure cookers. We love them so much. I'm a big fan of slow cooking, braising flavors melting, but because it's pressurized, the, these flavors all um, are infused into the carrots and the onions and the chicken. Things that I, I do like to use it for um, are like cooking fish, or you can cook things in papio. This is really actually very beautiful. It really seals in the flavor. Usually you do that in the oven and you think, oh, that's going to be wonderful, but you put it in a uh, pressure cooker and it totally transcends the whole flavor. It's really amazing. You know, the cooking time's like 10 minutes. Anyone use pressure cookers here? So you'll know what it's like to get food out of a pressure cooker. I love it. It infuses the flavors to produce a greater flavor. You know, you can use an oven, but what a pressure cooker does over a period of time, it quickens up a reality. It does a work quicker. And God wants to put you and I in pressure tests. And you might be going through one right now. And so what's going on as we go through the pressure test? And we're going to look at a passage um, today, which is quite a long passage, so I'm going to read reasonably quickly, then we're sort of going to come back. So just start turning to Matthew uh, 26, 
with me. Matthew 26, 26. But there is incredible purpose for the pressure test. And you need to know that. Everything God does is for a purpose, yes? And we need to find the meaning inside why God does what he does, because if we can't find meaning, that's when we find hopelessness. If we don't understand why he's doing it and what he's doing, then all of a sudden there's no hope in that. So we go through these pressure tests, and some of them can be quite horrific things that happen, and we need to find the why. And God, as we seek God, will show us the why, for God says, I work good for all those who love me. I love that movie, The Shack. And in The, in the Shack, because the man is going through incredible pain because he's lost a child, and God says, you think my good is evil because you don't have my perspective. And so often that can be us. We go, good for those that love you? This isn't good because we don't have God's perspective and we think it's an evil. Sometimes we even think it's the work of the devil. And so we're praying against the devil and God's saying, it's me. And I'm not the devil. And so we need to have eyes to see what is of him and what's not because sometimes we have a perspective that says, well, it must happen like this. It must happen like that. And how can that be God if it doesn't align to my perspective? And that's why we fall over all the time. And we end up running away from God when God is actually leading us into a pressure test. What for though, Greg? To perform a work of life, not to crush me, but to lift me up. Because there's no other way that he can do this work but through leading you through a pressure test. The Apostle Peter was never going to be the Apostle Peter unless he went through the Garden of Gethsemane and went through the moments of denying Christ three times. So the plan that God had for him, God told him, was this pressure test. But what for? To crush Peter? No, that Peter would arrive at the point that Peter was always written about that he was going to arrive. And guys, there's no other way we've got to go through the same process if you want life. You can try and dodge the bullet. You can go try it around the bullet. You can go around Christ and try and enter in the pen some other way, but you will never, ever, 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 ever find life. There's only one way. It is in Christ. He modeled the way, so we must be, if we are truly His, go through His process. And that is what the Bible clearly teaches us. Hence, it says, rejoice in trials and tribulation. Yeehaw! I'm going to rejoice when I go through pressure tests. Who's joining me? But why? Why am I going to rejoice at a tribulation? Because the Bible says it produces something. It says it produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And who is my living hope? So as I go through trials, what's produced in me? A living hope. More of Christ in me creates more hope, which propels me into more pressure tests. Because I know in the pressure cooker, it's doing a work, it's perfecting a work, and man, I am so much more richer for going through the pressure test. I'm tastier. What did Jesus say? Eat. And Cena just went, (laughs) yeah, what? But what did Jesus say? He said, what? Eat my flesh and drink my blood, didn't he? I am the bread of life. Isn't that what he said? If people partake of me, they're going to partake of you. So when you engage with people, what are they partaking of? Life or death? Russell said, do you sing from your soul? Do you bring something to light? Are you someone that lifts an atmosphere when you walk into a room? Are you someone that's carrying the countenance, the presence of God, the indwelling presence of the Lord? So when you walk into a room that's dark, you light up the room. Not because you, because Christ in you is coming out of you because you've gone through a pressure test. You've gone through multiple pressure tests. So the work that's infused in you, the building of Jesus Christ, the formation, Galatians 4.19, that Paul said is being formed in you through pressure. But what happens when we go through pressure? Things get exposed too, don't they? My osteopath said this to me during the week, like two weeks ago. 
I'm going through a pressure test right now with my back. He said these powerful words. He said, Greg, structure governs function. Write that down. Structure governs function. He said, your right leg is about an inch shorter than your left. Did you know that? No. So your hips are out of alignment. Uh, That's causing pressure on your right side of your back. Where's the pain? Right side of my back. You see, you can't function properly because your structure's been out of alignment. Jesus said, I come to build a church my way. If we're not building God's way, we're out of what? Alignment, which means we can't function like we're supposed to function. What's that? Like an overcomer. Because everything he does happens. Truth is self-evident. So when you're out of alignment, what do you have to go through? You've got to go through pressure. He's got me on my back, manipulating my back. He's pressing into muscles. He's doing all sorts of things, and it's painful. Oh, what's that, man? That's the muscle that's tightened in the lower part of your back that I'm trying to release so you can find freedom because for so long you've been slightly out because your hips are out, which is putting pressure, which is why you put your back out. You see, my structure was governing my function. So now we're a wedge now in the shoe, and what he's hoping is that all aligns, then I'll be able to do the very thing I was supposed to do from birth and not have this issue with my muscle my lower back. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? See how God uses all this stuff to show us spiritual truths. Because if we're not being built in the structure of heaven, then our function will be out. We'll be doing things he never asked us to do. We'll be running around doing functioning stuff, and he'll go, what are you doing? You see, your structure's not right, so your function's not right. But when your structure is right, your function is right. So we get exposed. Pressure exposes. Who was in a building in the earthquake recently, well, recently, two years ago here in Wellington? I know Luke was. Luke was doing work when it all kicked off at 12 o'clock and the building at the BNZ building was shaking and rolling and he's running for his life. You see, when the earthquake hit, the structure through the pressure gets tested. And now some buildings aren't functional. In fact, they've got to pull some buildings down. It's interesting, some of the new buildings are the ones that got hit. Are people taking shortcuts? Are they trying to quicken up a process? Oh, well, that, took, that was going to cost too much, so let's see if we can take a bit off here and take a bit off here and take a bit off here. Oh, yeah, we've, we've narrowed this down to 100 grand less than the job, but now when the pressure goes on, because we short-navigate the process, bang, we're in trouble. People's lives are at stake now. People are in a building and the whole thing, and it collapses, and we know what happened in the Christchurch earthquake. Horrendous. So all these things are put in place. So when pressure comes on, do we have a structure inside of us that can withstand the pressure? The Bible talks about two houses. One builds on sand, one builds on rock. What are you building your life upon? Because we know in the physical, you wouldn't build your house on sand, would you? Would you go down and spend three or four hundred thousand dollars, go down to the beach with all your materials and build it on sand? So why do we do it in the spiritual? We know how to live in this in the physical. Why would we do that on building it on me? Because that's building it on sand. If I build my life on what I think, that's on sand. If I build it on my agenda, that's on sand. If I try to do it in my strength, that's on sand. You see, we'd never do it in the physical, but we do it in the spiritual all the time. And so when the pressure comes, when the pressure came on Peter, what happened? He's found out. He's found out for his true state. Aren't you so glad God loved Peter? And aren't you so glad that God had a future plan for Peter than the one he was experiencing right then in that moment? And aren't you so glad that God goes back into Peter's world after he comes back, drags him back out of fishing because that's where he ended up, and says, come on, man, I spoke you were going to be a big part in me building the church. I'm going to use you to build my kingdom. What are you doing back in fishing when I said, be in Galilee and wait for me? And you're in fishing. 
Pressure is beautiful, and it builds. So how do we respond? And I want to share something intimate with you, and I feel like the Holy Spirit said this to do this now. And I remember 2010, Saturday morning, waking up 6 a.m., and I don't sleep in on a, sorry, I don't get up early on a Saturday. I've been getting up earlier because I've I'm a netball coach. <laughs> Don't laugh. Silver ferns, watch out. Okay? We've won all our games. Well, that's not true. We won our games. We got put up to the higher level. We got smashed. We got dropped down. Now we're winning again. <laughs> Hate losing. <laughs> anyway. I hear this as clear as anything. Greg, your character is about to be assassinated. Get up now. Send this prophetic word to five men who he told me who they were. I'd never, ever shared this word with anybody. I've just kept it. I got it in 2005. So this is 2010. This word came in 2005. He says, I want you to get up now because your character is about to be assassinated. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I get up, I get out of my email, I go to the place where Danny lives now, which is in the corner of the room that I can't get to early in the morning, and I get out my iPad and I send this to five men. This is Saturday morning, Friday morning. I'm called into a meeting and I have two letters that have been written Attacking my character. If you want to remove a leader, what do you attack? My battle is not with flesh and blood. Your battle is not with flesh and blood. It is with demonic principalities that operate. But we have to be very wise of his schemes. Otherwise, we are used for his purposes without ever realizing it. The Bible says in these last days, people will think they're doing God's will. And they'll be used to do the enemy's will, thinking they're doing God's will. So I'm like, whoa, okay. You know what I love about God? He forewarns you. Does he not forewarn Peter? You're going to deny me. I'm going to forewarn you. What does Peter do? No, I won't. Then he says, but by the way, you're going to go where I am telling you you're going to go at the end of this does Peter hear that? No. They never hear, I will rise again. All they hear is, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be persecuted, but he leaves you with hope because he says, and I'm going to rise again. But we always miss the good news and we get focused on the bad news. So I'm hearing your character is going to be assassinated. Sure enough, a letter, two letters had gone up. And it's all attack on me. I'm of this, I'm of that, I'm of this, I'm of that. But see, God had forewarned me that Saturday morning, and God had forewarned me in 2005. I did not have a clue or understand what I'm about to read to you. Okay? I did not understand this when I got this. It's pretty cool when someone walks in here. So I've been here in 2003. So this is two years after I'd actually been on staff here, not doing what I'm doing now. This lady walks in, says, I'm here to speak to Greg Simnor. I said, that's me. She said, this is for you. And she left. I've never seen that lady again in my life. Never. I know what her name was because she put it on the end of this prophecy. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, sounds a little bit like God, doesn't it? Maybe she was an angel. I don't know. I've never seen her again, never heard her name again, but she said this, Greg, my faithful servant, Greg, I've imparted many gifts in you, and I'm going to start to release them by the power of my Holy Spirit. I've called you, my son, to lead my people, a people who do not know how to worship me, a people who still live their way, for their ways according to what the world offers them. Greg, I'm going to anoint you more and more to bring my people back to holiness back to my throne. I'm going to impart new ways in you so you can do that. 
Do not use man's technique. And do not use man's formulas. Do not use man's strategy. But seek my face, Greg, and I will give you what it takes to lead my people. If you're new here, you won't know the things that have been going on here, and you won't know some of the words. I would encourage you, in that shelf over there, there's a blue booklet, and there's the book that Paul talked about. Grab it. In there, there are words that say this, where Greg spoke to me. He said, Greg, stop leading people to the lost and lead them to me. Well, I think I just read that. Greg and I will give you what it takes to lead my people to me. Listen to this. Stay humble before me, my son. Stay close to me. It will cost you time and even relationships. But I will be the source of your life, and my life will flow through you. I have chosen you for this time. Many will become against you and be jealous of you, but use my word and I will defeat your enemies. Greg, my people need my word. And I will give you words to speak to them in spirit and in truth so that my people will come back to me. I have greater things for you that only I can offer you. My son, you have been chosen by me, not by man. Do not worry about your family. I will take care of them. I want you, all of you, says the Lord Almighty. Greg, I will give you what my word, Greg, I will give you what my word says, that my demonstration of my power will work through you. You will be my mouthpiece from the pulpit and off the pulpit, even to the lost. <laughs> even to the lost. You knew me in 2008. I was all about reaching lost people. And I got a word, another word from Ezekiel, from a man by the name of Graham Marchant, who has a huge prophetic gift on his life that Vera knows and some people know, and he he was part of this church, who said to me, and this is what came through when I was with Simon in a cafe, he said, I'm sending you to Israel. So I'm sending you to a people who have hard hearts, but you've got a hard head. And I thought that was to a lost world. It was to the church. This is a message to the church. You see, it wasn't a lost world that came against me that wrote the letters. Keep your face towards me, my son, says the Lord Almighty. She put a scripture, Acts 4.31, and when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God. Do you think God's been shaking this place? And once again, for you, you might be going, what? No, no, you've just arrived, so you're through pressure tests that we've been going through. That was a massive pressure test. Because in all that, out of that came work and process and having to walk through stuff. And you know what he said? Keep your mouth shut and do not say anything. It's interesting when you're being accused and your character's being put on the line and he says, don't say anything. I defend my people. I vindicate my people. You? He said, if you speak, you're giving the enemy food to go to war. Hold your tongue, son. You see, when pressure comes on, how do you respond? When you are attacked, how do you respond? When the pressure is on and it's on, where do you turn? Do you turn to your own strength or do you turn to him? Do you say, Lord, what do you want to show me and what do you want to do in me through this? Not zap those guys. You see, my battle, our battle is not with one another. But the Bible says with your freedom, you can devour one another. 
It says, be careful what you do with your freedom because you can lob each other's heads off because the work that the pressure does is yet to be formed. And so our flesh rises up and now we're cutting off ears with swords. Does that sound familiar? Why? Because your spirit is willing, but your flesh, your humanity is very weak. And the flesh trumps what you want to do in your spirit, but you can't because your spirit is willing, but your flesh, your thinking, your will, your emotions are strong. And so when Peter is in the garden, the man was asked to pray for one hour. One hour. His Messiah is in the deepest, darkest place in his life. He invites those three men in to his process, into his pressure test. Can you keep watch with me for one hour and pray? And it wasn't even for Jesus, really. It was for them that he's going through this, wasn't it? He went through that for you and I. And Jesus says, could you come and pray? Oh, you just don't realize my life, God. Yes, he does. He's watching all things. So he invites them into his pressure test. To do a work. And if we are going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, we will go through pressure tests. We will be persecuted for godliness. That's what the Bible says. That's a sign that you are living a godly life, is that unfortunately or fortunately, you're an aroma for some of life, but for some death, because you're starting to live a life that almost can become like a little prickly porcupine for those close to you, but other people love it because that's what they've been looking for. Yeah. But some people, you rub up the wrong way because you're like, you prick them. Ugh, get away. What do you mean you want to live for a greater standard? What do you mean you want to start giving? What do you mean you want to start being part of a church family? What do you mean you want to start turning up? What do you mean you want to start serving? That's our time on a Sunday. That's our time. Stop robbing our time. No, it's his time. Everything's his time. And then our time needs to be reordered so our lives start reflecting his time because time's running out. And these men were asleep when they needed to be awake and alert. Jesus is coming back and he says, are you ready or are you asleep? <clears throat> so let's go and have a look. I'm going to read this real fast. Hang on. You ready? Okay. The Lord's Supper instituted. This is massive point right here, okay? Matthew 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." That's the wedding banquet. Okay? After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. <laughs> you know, I was getting this, I thought, this is us, you know. We, we, we partake and we sing a hymn and then we're about to leave and we go into the world and pressure tests are about to erupt. You see, it's quite cool in the safety of here and the safety of you know eating bread and drinking and having communion and all that. Oh, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. And then you leave, 
and life starts. <laughs> and life kicks in and there's these things called other people. <laughs> and they get in the way. And they've got own genders and they're also on a mission to discover stuff and you know, build their own empires, and man, it's just clashes and clashes and personality types and agendas, and someone, you know, wants to, supposedly working for the business, doing this, but they're really working for themselves, and it's just one big chaotic mess. And pressure comes. Just to paint the scene about these guys. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. Imagine that. You've just had an amazing worship time with him. And he turns around and he says, guess what? Here's the word of the Lord. You're going to fall away. You're going to leave here and you're going to fall over. No, I won't. No, I won't. I love you. I love you. Well, it doesn't matter what you say. This is going to happen. Because I'm God and I wrote the book and I've already seen the future and I live in the future and the past and the now. And it's going to happen. And I wrote it down. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock, and the flock shall be scattered. See, it's already written. And prophets wrote it before it ever happened. What? To forewarn you. This pressure coming. Get ready. But after I have been raised. Yeah. There's pressure coming, but you know what? I'm going to raise myself. But they miss that. We always miss the good news. We always focus on the bad news, don't we? Oh my goodness, Revelation is about monsters. No, it's not. It's about the coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm going to lose my life. No, no, you're going to get a life. You're going to find a life. What am I going to lose? What you going to get? <laughs> We're so bent on the glasses, half empty, man. No, it's half full, and he wants to fill it to overflow. He says, I'm going to go on ahead to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Woo, big words. Jesus said to him, don't you love these dialogues? Truly I say to you, this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the other disciples said the same thing too. I love you, Jesus, and we lift our voice. No, you're going to deny me. You see, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And so when your heart's far from, when the pressure comes, your heart gets exposed. And you're running for the hills. But aren't you good? Jesus is there in your pressure test. Because he doesn't want us running for the hills when pressure comes on. He wants us standing in the pressure, being a model for what someone who's in Christ looks like because everyone else is running for the hills. You see, you and I are to be the hope of the world, aren't we? How are we ever going to be the hope of the world if we don't have hope in us? It doesn't just come in a lolly packet. And when pressure is applied, your structures are found out, which then determine your function. Can you live the way I'm calling you to live because the Bible says that wisdom is vindicated by her deeds or her actions. What you're able to live is the knowledge you truly have, the wisdom of God. So if I can't live it, I don't have wisdom. I may have intellectual knowledge of scriptures, but what I don't have is the knowledge of the person in me, which enables me to live out a Christ-like manner, walk in the manner in which he walked. 1 John 2, 6. Okay? So here's the story unfolding. Can you see it? Can you see yourself in it? Can you recognize we're all Peter 
or we've been Peter, or we are, are Peter becoming the new and the old Peter, all at the same time. Because God loves us and he's perfecting us and he will put you in a pressure cooker because he loves you. <laughs> My dad put me in pressure cookers because he loved me. He said, son, if I do all this for you, you will not grow and mature. So I have to let you, through your own decisions, because you won't necessarily listen to me, son, go your own way, which is a pressure cooker. <laughs> the amount of times I go back to my dad and go, you know some things, eh? <laughs> You're not as dumb as what you look. <laughs> you know, I thought I had it all together at 16. You know some things, eh, fella? Yes, yeah, son, you might want to listen. I know it's just me. Okay, the garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus came into the place called Gethsemane. Do you know what it means? Oil press. Where do we get olive oil from? Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane, there are olive trees. When you are pressed, what comes out of you? Oil. What is oil symbolic of? Spirit of God. Figure that. Not an accident, eh? He's smart, this God of ours. <laughs> so he places them in Gethsemane and says to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. I love him. He invites us into his process. He invites us into his building work. See, he says, I want to build you. Come follow me. He's always inviting us into his realm. So often we think it's all about us and we're going to go take over the world. He's going, where are you going? So, okay, I got this sorted. I heard the commission. I'm going to change the world. He said, no, don't change the world. Just get changed. You can't change anything until you're changed. Yes, I can. Why? Because I've got a gifting on me. I don't care. I want to change you, and then I want to do this with you. I don't want you racing off on the other side of the world. I want to be the leader because I'm the groom. You're the bride, and I'm going to love you while you submit to me. There's a picking order, even though we're one. Come under... The groom come under alignment authority, and what happens? Oh, you see things start to flow. You're a man who knows who I am, and you're a Roman. You're a Gentile, but you can see, because you're a man of great faith, you have great sight to see who I am, and you place yourself underneath me, and your servant got healed. Get under authority, the authority of heaven. And life might start changing. It will not be easy. You will go through pressure tests. When you say, here I am, Lord, send me, all hell breaks loose. And it starts right in this room. Why? Because we're the only ones who give a rip about truth. Think about it. My mate Tim doesn't give a rip about truth. He says, that's nice if you believe that. But we have a reference for something that's called Jesus Christ. Why was it his own people that killed him? The Romans just sanctioned what the Jews ordered. The Romans wanted to release him. But we are not to be enemies, we're to be one. But you see, soul, sorry, spirit and flesh are in opposition. So what did I say before? Your spirit's willing, but your flesh gets in the way. And so people of spirit end up clashing with people of flesh, and they're all in the body of Christ. The people of spirit 
love the people of flesh because they can, because they live from the Spirit. But the people of flesh can never love the people of the Spirit because they're operating from the flesh. It's called one's lust and one's love. And lust can never perform like love does. But love can go beyond lust, and it loves on lust in the hope that lust becomes love. So he says, can you live from love? Or are you living from lust? I love you either way, but which one are you demonstrating to the earth and to one another firstly? Because I want you to be the demonstration of me. See how you can't run off and go try and save a planet or just grab a gift because it's all built into being part of a body that's under submission to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But we'll try and find a way to make it work because we're still living from flesh. And yet what we don't ever come into is the life of Christ. There's so much going on in this passage. It's massive. So Jesus says, guys, can you keep watch with me? And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face, this is in 39, and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Have you ever found this passage really fascinating? Because as you keep reading on, was Jesus always going to be the lamb? You don't know? So he's always going to be the lamb, but now he's asking to be prayed if he can get out of what he wrote. Who wrote the manual? Jesus. He wrote the book with the Father. He is the Father with the Spirit of God because they were all there at the beginning. So he wrote the book and then he sealed it and said, this is going to happen. It's written. He's trying to get out of his own writing. No, he's not. But he is. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's already sealed it before it ever was going to happen at the beginning of time. But what you're seeing is part of his humanity. But he already knows he's going. Because it was already foretold that it would be. So he's going to live out. And it's really interesting because when you keep reading, it comes to a bit. He actually rebukes Peter for chopping off a dude's ear when he says it's already been written. How is it ever going to happen? It has to happen this way so you can become the man that you're supposed to be. But in this, you see him actually asking, Father, is there another way? Complexities, eh? But he's showing you himself, and he goes, this is what you're going to go through. I've already written who you're going to become, and if you'll partner with me, I will perfect you. So while you're going through something now, which is a pressure, don't look at your situation now. Keep your eyes focused on me, because that's who I'm perfecting. It's where hope is. See, he had the future already laid out. So while he's going through his deepest, darkest moment as a man, he knows, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because there is a joy that's already in me that's going that cross for you because I see the whole picture because I wrote it. What have I been talking about? We can know the end from the beginning. We can know the entire book. It is fully possible. Help me with my unbelief. You think once you know the whole story, you embrace the process that God has, you better believe it because that's where the hope is because you've got meaning and purpose for why God's taking you through a pressure test to perform a work. Why? Because he has plans and purposes for you and I as a church. It's called reigning with him, ruling with him. And he wants to perfect you and I so on the day he returns, he can give you your reward. He wants to give you his reward for you. He's got it. It's packaged. He's got your name on it. And he's going, I can't wait to give you the reward. But are you going to be ready? Are you going to keep your end of that bargain? Because I can't give it to an immature person because they can't handle it. And I love you too much to destroy you. And yet I want to walk with you. And I want to be in you, and I want to change you so you can handle 
everything that I have got assigned for you. That's true vision. Not something that we're going to do, who we're going to become. And out of who we become, because we can see, the function naturally just outflows itself. He's on fire today. This is good, isn't it? Man, I can't preach this good. (laughs) In 40, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, if you're asleep to what's going on, you're going to be caught up in temptation. And I don't mean looking at this or doing that. I mean you're going to live from lust. You're going to live for you. You'll miss it. It'll be happening all around you, but because you're spiritually asleep and deaf, and can't see, it'll be going on, and you'll be like, what? I've had people say, what's really changed about the rock? (laughs) Really? You can't hear, see, know? No. Wow. You know what that tells me? You're not entering into it. What does it say? Enter into the kingdom. It's not passive. You've got to enter into it. Otherwise, you're on the outside of it. Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. I want in. But he already is. I know. And he wants in more. He wants to establish his world in your life. It's called the kingdom of God being established in your heart and your mind. But you have to open the door and let him in. And all of a sudden you start seeing things, hearing things. I understand now because I can hear. He says you can't understand because you can't hear anything I'm saying. And they weren't deaf. They heard. He's angry. We haven't got enough bread. We didn't bring bread with us. He's going, oh my giddy aunt. Did you not understand any insight what I did with the 5,000? I'm not talking about bread and chips and fish and chips. I'm talking about I'm the bread of life. And if you partake of me, you will have life and you will overcome. And you will not be found sleeping when I'm asking you to pray. And you won't be found lobbing off men's ears when I ask you to pray because you'll know how to live. You see, when we act out of our flesh, it's because we don't know who we are in Christ. We're acting out of our infant state. It's called the flesh because we don't know who we are. When my children act immature, it's because they don't know yet who they are because they're not mature adults, so they act like kids. But you shouldn't be 20 years old and still acting like a kid. You should have grown up. Well, it's the same in God. If we can't hear or see, it's because we're not entering in, and it can happen all around you. You can have someone right beside you say, this is what I got. And you're like, what? Really? I didn't hear any of that. And the person is changing because they're eating from a food source that you might not know anything about. They're eating from a place. Where are you getting your food from? It's in the kingdom of God and it's on tap. And these men are asleep. And he says, you better wake up so you not enter into being allured into a false slumber. He went away and a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So this is the second time. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples, this is number three, and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? This is a different rest from enter into my rest. 
This is a sleepy slumber. What? Oh, you asked me to pray. Well, I go back to sleep. Spiritually dead. They wanted to pray, didn't they? Could they? No. Your spirit was willing. What's your spirit willing to do that your flesh can't keep up with? What's your spirit willing to do that your flesh keeps tripping you up? Because you're not eating and you're not drinking. Isn't that what he gave them before they entered into the pressure test? Isn't that what he actually said? This is my body, eat of me, and this is my blood, drink of me. I think that's what he did. He was preparing them for something. Hmm. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Jesus' betrayal and arrest. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came, accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came out from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave him a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately Jesus went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And so Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Here's another pressure test. So there's this guy called Judas. He's been in your tight 12. The father picked him. You've been sharing your life with him for three and a half years. Entrusting him, loving him, correcting him, guiding him. He's one of your best buds. Then he decides, because he is living from lust, not love, what are you going to give me to betray him? See, when you're asleep, this is where it all starts. The enemy starts talking to you. And temptation comes because you're asleep to the reality that is. Friend, someone is living from the word. Someone is in a pressure test and his friend is shafting him in the back. Love you. In the name of Jesus. <clears throat> that happened to you? How did you respond? Did you turn around and <clears throat> back? Or did you go, that's okay, friend? Because I've had a work performed to me that I can love on you. Because I know my battle is not with you, friend. Because I know who I am. And I know if you knew who you were, you wouldn't be shoving a knife at me right now. So I can love you. And I'm going to continue to love you because I can because I've gone through and I'm eating and I'm drinking and I've got a substance in me that enables me to live beyond my humanity now. You see, my spirit's willing to love you and my flesh can. Meaning my physical body can match what my spirit wants to do. That's a pretty tall order, that one, isn't it? that you can love on a friend that's betraying you to your death and still minister grace and love, and he's a human, not God here, meaning he is fully human, fully God, but he's acting as a human who is under the authority, the empowerment of heaven, which makes and says to me, guess what, Greg? You too can live like this if you are under the authority and the empowerment of heaven. That's impossible. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's working where? In God or in me? In me. Oh, so if I'm eating the word and drinking the word, I have the power of God within me, correct? Because Jesus Christ is the power of God, correct? 
And Jesus Christ is the Word, and He is the blood, yes? So if I am eating the Word and drinking the Word, Jesus Christ, I have power in me because Jesus Christ is power, which then enables me, because I'm being empowered by another source, to love. So it's not Greg's human love trying to love. It's God's love in Greg loving. Well, He wants that for you and I. That's why He's given you Himself. He's called the Word of God. And Jesus is always modeling something through pressure tests. Verse 51, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword, I love this bit, and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Isn't that what happened to Judas? He perished by the sword, didn't he? Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once put my disposal at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must happen this way? He's going, Peter, if that doesn't happen like this, you will never, ever, ever, ever become the Peter that I am calling you to be. It has to happen this way. Way. I have to go through the pressure test. You have to go through the pressure test with me if you want to be the men, the man, the woman, the women I am calling you to be. There is no other way around it. Stop fighting in your flesh because I could call down a legion of angels and fix this problem. It has to happen this way. Way. How many times have you run away from God's process because you don't understand it's God? Because your perspective tells you it's not God and it is God. Are you a Peter that's going, no, it's not going to happen this way and God is going, this is my way? Are you resisting God's process because it doesn't look like your version of God's process? And God is like going, man, it's hard getting people in a pressure cooker. It's so hard to get them into the pressure cooker where I want to perform life. I want to do life. I want to add flavor through the pressure. I want to add substance. I want to build a person in this pressure. Because my people keep running away like Adam, hiding under plants. Because on one aspect we were with him, and now we don't know who he is because his plan doesn't match ours. Can you see why we have to walk this out together? God has been building people here through pressure. Because our foundations, and some of them, may not actually be him. They are him in word only, but not in reality. Because man and woman cannot get their own understanding of God or their knowledge. It has to come through revelation. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. The only true knowledge you have is the knowledge God has revealed in you and to you. Anything outside of that is false. That is scary. See, what pressure does, it tests your foundation. It tests you. If you're in the real deal, when the pressure comes, you'll stand. See, Peter wasn't yet. He's failing miserably. Did he become the man God had for him? Yes, but he had to go through pressure tests because he's so full of himself. He's full of himself, self. He's full of self, full of flesh, full of lust. And man, we talk a good talk, but when the pressure goes on, self gets exposed, but not for the purpose of punishment, for the purpose of, I'm thankful you're recognizing you can't do it. So why don't you take my hand and I'm going to walk you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be in you. I will be around you. I will carry you at times. So you become the person where I can let go of your hand. And now we can walk together as a husband and a wife. And now we can co-reign together. We can cohabit this planet together to see the kingdom of God come, my Father's kingdom come. And I want to give you this, but unless we allow it and stop running. People have run away 
thinking. It's in the Lord. See, when you can see, you can see. He shows you. You can hear fear and you can hear faith. They are two different frequencies. And when you're in God, growing in God, you can hear fear. You can hear excuses. You can hear all the good stories. But he wants to build a people of faith, which means we've got to go through the faith process. Do you really want all that God has for you? That's the question he asks. And look, it's easy to go, yes, and sing the songs here and then walk out there and all of a sudden your yes becomes a very fast no. And he says, let your yes be yes. And so let your no be no. If you go, no, I'm not ready, he goes, cool, at least we're being authentic and real. I honor and respect that. Because then I just wait and I look to the next person and I go along the line going, do I see a yes? Yes, that's an authentic yes. Let's go. And I look and I say, no, that's cool. I love you. That's cool. You want to stay there for a while? Cool. No, no, yes, yes, great. So he has this ability to work with everyone at every single time with what they're saying. So if it's a no, go no. And don't feel the condemnation of the no. But don't stay there. Because you're only destroying yourself. Because he wants to give us so much. There's no other way, guys. There is no other way. I'm just going to give you these two points and then we'll close it. I won't, you can finish that whole thing. I think I've said what I really want to say. Two reasons why God allows the pressure test and also places us into pressure tests. And these, I hope you will just come up behind me. To demonstrate just how much we need his word operating in us if we are to live the lives he is calling us to. So why two reasons? There's multiple, but two reasons why God allows pressure tests and places us in them. Okay, he invited them into the garden, didn't he? Because why? He can see all things, can't he? So he knows where he's trying to get you, and he's fully in control, isn't he? That's why you can trust him. He is fully in control. You're his daughter or his son. So do you trust him, or do you trust more of yourself? I trust him. I can't trust myself. I trust him. So to demonstrate, to show you just how much you need, we need his living word operating in us if we are to live the lives he's calling us to. That was the very first thing he gave them, wasn't it, before Gethsemane? He said, here is my body, here is my blood of the covenant, eat of me, drink of me, and you will have life. Life is more than food, life is more than clothing. Why are you eating food that perishes? All the scriptures match up, I am the bread of life. I'm eating food you know nothing about. He says to his disciples, where are you getting your hamburgers from, man? They've gone away. He's like, my food is doing the will of my Father. When I do the will of my Father, I enter into the kingdom of heaven. The will of the Father is my food. What is the will of the Father, Greg? You need to go find that out. I'm preaching it. You're hearing it. It's going out every weekend, the will of the Father. But can you hear it? I've written a book about it. Have you read it? We're saying it, saying it. We should know the will of God if we're hearing, because it's going out every week. Okay, that's an indicator again. Are we listening? Are we tuned into the frequency of the Spirit? Or is it just washing over us every week and life's not changing? So we need the Word to be able to demonstrate and live the lives. The second reason is to get us to the place He longs for us to get to. He puts us in the pressure test so we get to where He wants to get us to. John 13, 36, when Peter came to him, he said, where are you going? Jesus said, you can't go where I'm about to go. He said, why not? He said, look, I'm giving you a new commandment. He said, you will go where I have been. 
Once again, he's seeing the future, so he's bringing prophecy of life. Peter, you will go to the place you're asking me where, but right now I'm going to give you a new commandment, and that is to love these brothers. Love these people like I love you. Commandment of God before you start trying to go to the cross. There's a whole other process. Well, I'm not interested in loving these people. They annoy me. They get on my wick. They don't have my gifting, my personality type. They talk funny, sound different. And they're supposed to be my family, but I don't even like them. He's going, it's tough. I put you together. Don't worry about where you're going. Start by doing the basics. Love one another as I have loved you. See, he even misses it there because he's interested in going to the cross. He's interested in something he can't even do. Why? Because his spirit's willing, but his flesh is weak. Because he's not eating food and he's not drinking from the well of life. He's feeding off flesh food that perishes, which is himself and his own thinking and his own mindset. And it's getting him nowhere. So God has to put Peter in the pressure. He puts you in pressure with him and others. So you hold on to each other as we go around the washing machine, the pressure cooker, and you come out and you've got more of Christ in you than what you ever had when you started. And you want to do, you start singing, praising, and now the words that come out match the heart. Amen? I hope you've received today. So Father, I thank you that you're building us through the power of your word. I thank you that you've given us words. I thank you for the word you gave me in 2005 that prepared me for the work that you're doing and still doing and will continue to do today. Father, I thank you that you do everything for us. You are not against us. You are for us. And you allow all things to do a work within us, to grow us and to mature us into saints that are going to judge the world. So Lord, we just surrender to the true building process of yours, which is revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we come in that posture of weakness, you will make us strong. So Father, I pray for an insatiable thirst for your word into the hearts and minds of myself and everyone here today, that we would be found eating and drinking and being washed by you, the word that is, was with God, and manifested itself on earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.